Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. My name is Liz, if we haven't met yet, and I am um, one of the lead pastors here at Life, and it's good to be with you. I was supposed to preach this sermon two weeks ago when I got COVID (laughs) Um, for the second time. But um, it's, it's good to finally be here again after a few uh, uh, guest speakers. And um, yeah, so we're, uh, we're starting our series again, Life DNA, where we're talking about the values of Life Vineyard, and uh, we're starting with what is the kingdom. So If you aren't already a little hungry, you know, you forgot to grab the apple donut on your way in, you might be hungry after the next few slides. So I'm going to, we're going to do a little voting on what our favorite appetizer is this morning. And I would like to take full credit, just real quick, from Dan moving from a one on the chili scale to a four on the chili scale. Um, that is that is my doing. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay, so what is your favorite appetizer? Throw up some slides. We're going to vote this morning between some of these appetizers. And um, <clears throat> okay, we have <laughs> we have some deviled eggs or meatballs, right? Okay, so raise your hand if you're on the deviled egg side. Okay, okay. Raise your hand if you're on the meatball side. Whoa, dominant. That's really interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's let's look at the next uh, the next one. Okay. Um, we have you know like pigs in a blanket, right? Like the little mini hot dogs wrapped in like a croissant. Um, or mozzarella sticks. So if you are pigs in a blanket, raise your hand. Oh, just a few. Okay, mozzarella sticks. Guys, we're like all or nothing here. (laughs) We're dominant. Okay, I'll just take notes on what to bring to the next uh, potluck event. Um, Okay, next one. Do you like shrimp cocktail? Okay, or let's see, I, I think I chose like a salami roll-up, if you've ever had one of those. Maybe like some, <laughs> yeah, 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 cream cheese, maybe a pickle in there or something, right? Yeah, that's what that is. Okay, just to clarify, it's not an olive, it, I think it's a pickle. Okay, so um, shrimp cocktail. Oh, okay. Or salami roll-up. Guys, you are like... <laughs> Okay, shrimp cocktail. Okay, next one, last one, um, a brie cheese, right? Oh, <laughs> we haven't even started the voting yet. Or like an artichoke dip, right? Hot, both like warm. Okay, brie cheese. Okay, okay, artichoke dip. Oh, wow, okay. There were some definite uh, <laughs> winners on that one. That's funny. I could keep going just to just to amuse myself. <laughs> um, so the kingdom of God is like an endless table of your favorite appetizers. Okay, and it's it's like that because God's kingdom 
is very real and present here on earth. But it's not the only will that exists here on earth, right? God's rule is his, his perfect will being present in our hearts and lives. That's God's kingdom. But there's also the will of broken, sinful humanity, and there's also the will of Satan here on earth. And so the kingdom of God is this endless spread of appetizers of what's to come in full in the future. But the appetizers are real and delicious and satisfying. They're a taste of what is to come at the end of time in in fullness. So we're living in this season where Jesus brought about the kingdom of God here on earth, where his will exists in the heart and lives of those who say yes to following Jesus. But we also hope and wait for this time where there's not just a full spread of appetizers, but a full-on banquet, right, of just endless satisfaction in God. And we wait for this time and we long for it because we've been given a a glimpse of what it's going to be like um, in, in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation. We read this snippet that just like makes our heart beat faster. And it's Revelation 21, 3 through 5. This is what it looks like when the kingdom is in its fullness. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. That's our wonderful hope that we look forward to. That's, I mean, that's what our deepest soul longs for, that we would live in complete peace, that there would be no more sickness, right? I would never have to miss another Sunday again from COVID and the ramifications and all that junk. There would be no more death. Our sickness wouldn't lead to death. There would be none of it. There would be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more broken hearts. God is making everything new. We long for that, don't we? So there's this mystery to the kingdom that we live in. If that's what we're longing for and that's what we're headed towards, what's the kingdom here right now? The mystery that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you, I'm going to let you in on the mystery this morning, is that this thing that we long for in the future that we read about in Revelation, this vision where evil is eradicated forever, that future has been 
initiated now. It has come to earth now through the life of Jesus. That's the mystery. That the presence of the future age has come back in time to the current present age. And Jesus' kingdom is fiercely advancing against evil and brokenness and the present evil age. He is here to defeat the will of Satan. Now, the, the perfect kingdom, it belongs to the future age. The perfect, full kingdom belongs to the future age. But the blessings and the power of that future age have come into our current age. They're no longer just for the future. They don't exclusively exist over there, but they are present, current realities. And that's the tension that we live in. We're longing and hoping for the full consummation of the future, but we get to tap into the appetizers of the power and the blessing of that future age now, we get to experience it now. But there's a tension. There's a tension because there's the present evil age where Satan is in charge and his will. And so there's, there's sometimes where that will wins the day, right? And, and evil humanity wins the day. But we know that the kingdom of God is going to win the ultimate day. Now, there's a... Um, a scholar named George Ladd, who did a lot of work on this kingdom theology. And this is one of my favorite quotes of, of his from one of his books. It says, The age to come is still in the future, but we may taste the powers of that age. Something has happened by virtue of that which belongs to the future age has become present. The powers of the age to come have penetrated this age. Now, while we still live in this present evil age, and while Satan is still the god of this age, we may taste the powers of the coming age. Now, a taste is not a seven-course banquet. We still look forward to the glorious consummation and fulfillment of that which we have only tasted, but a taste is real. It's more than promise, it's realization, it's experience. So we get to taste the future now. You wouldn't say that an appetizer is any less more of a food than, you know, uh, something from the full meal, it's, it's still satisfying. It's still food, but it's not the full banquet. We get to experience the inner transformation and power of the future age in this present age through Jesus. We don't have to just sit around waiting for the future to come. We can be delivered from the kingdom of Satan and its power and its bondage and the mastery of sin and death now. 
all of humanity, all of creation is moving towards this future age that we get to participate in right now. You know, the kingdom of God um, was one of Jesus's central themes that he talked about when he was here on earth. He came preaching about the kingdom and he taught about how you enter the kingdom. And he displayed his, his works and his miracles and his, te- and his healing through the kingdom. He, in, in Matthew 4.17, it says this, From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was his central message. He went around declaring it, and then he went around showing it and demonstrating it, right? And then he taught his disciples, hey, this is how you pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, my perfect will can penetrate this current age. Pray my will into existence. Have my will invade your earthly space. And then Jesus illustrated what the kingdom was like through his parables. So he, he tells these interesting snippets that just make you stop and think and wonder, God, what is your kingdom like? So Matthew 13, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again, okay? And then he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And then when he discovers a pearl of great value, he sells everything he owned and bought it. Jesus is saying, you know what? The kingdom of God is worth everything. It's worth, it's worth it all. And there's an urgency. There's an urgency in these parables um, of what the people did. You know, this man, he, the first person, he it unexpectedly discovered this treasure. But when he did, he took extravagant action. He said, okay, I found this treasure. Now I'm going to rebury it, okay? And then I'm going to run home and sell as much stuff as I possibly can to raise the money to then buy that field before anyone else does. And then the treasure will be there waiting for me. He sacrificed all of his livelihood to gain that treasure. Now, just to clarify, you know, in these scriptures, it says the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous. Um, The thing about Matthew and why he describes it as the kingdom of heaven is because he was writing to a Jewish audience, right? And Jews did not say the name of God out loud. They were very reverent and of God's name. And so 
Matthew is being culturally relevant by calling it the kingdom of heaven. But just for clarification, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, we're talking about the same thing. And so the kingdom of God is our main theological lens that we look through here at life. It informs everything we do. It's the foundation of our beliefs. And it's not just a theological com- co- concept, right? You can tell in these parables, it's, Jesus isn't teaching about the kingdom so that you can just sit back and, you know, grab it as a book when you have some free time and make a cup of coffee. There's that fly that I'm going to smack. Um, <laughs> just when you have some time, you know, you're just going to sit back in your easy chair and dive a little bit deeper into this concept of the kingdom. It, it demands a response. It demands action. It's something that is dynamic. And, and Jesus, he came teaching about the kingdom, but he also embodied it in what he did and what he said and who he was. And he invites us to that same life. The kingdom, when, when I say the word kingdom, it's not a term that we use so much in our language, right? When we talk about a kingdom, often we can think of the kingdom is a place, you know? Maybe you're uh, daydreaming right now about a future vacation you might want to go on, um, maybe the magic kingdom, right? You want to go to a destination like that. But the kingdom isn't a place. When we talk about God's kingdom, it's not a place, but it is his rule and his reign. Yeah, you might be dreaming that you would rather be there than here. (laughs) But that's often what we think of. We think the kingdom is some kind of place. God's kingdom is his rule and his reign, his will being um, lived out in our hearts and in our lives. The Jews had this kind of twofold concept of what the kingdom was going to be. They thought, okay, yeah, the, the kingdom is the fact that God is king over us as Jewish people, and he... Um, he is going to, he has his lordship over us as his, his chosen people. But someday, when our faithfulness uh, will be rewarded, God is going to usher in this future kingdom where all the nations of the world will acknowledge that God is Lord of all. And that's when they will be rewarded and God's power will be manifested for all. But Jesus kind of takes that that concept and he flips it upside down and he says, you know what? The future reign of God is going to come before the end of time. It's going to come before the whole world acknowledges God as Lord. The time of salvation is going to come through this person, Jesus, on earth. I'm going to send my son to inaugurate the time of salvation and the presence of my kingdom 
so that all people that choose to say yes to him will be able to receive the power and blessings of my reign. The power and the blessings of the future kingdom has invaded our present age. And the proof was that Jesus was going around fulfilling these ancient prophecies where the blind were receiving sight and the deaf were hearing and people held captive and oppressed were being set free. And so since that time, every moment can be pregnant with the power of the kingdom and the presence of our king. And then Jesus ascends back to the Father and he sends his Holy Spirit. And he sends his spirit as kind of like a down payment to say, actually, you're going to have the power inside of you at all times to be living in this kingdom and to extend it and see it penetrate in other people's hearts and lives. You actually are the agents of spreading this kingdom with me. And so we are kingdom people. That's what we believe at life. We are kingdom people. We are people of God's presence. We get to look at where God is working and we can put our finger to his work and we can see his kingdom and his will released in the world. And we are on this journey of redemptive work with Jesus where he is making all things new in our lives and in the lives of others around us. You know, <clears throat> when I became aware of this concept of the, the kingdom of God, I studied it uh, a lot in grad school, and it was like God finally put language and a finger on something I had felt inside of me for so long, but didn't, didn't have... Um, the theological language to explain it, but it, it was something that I felt for so long that like, we're not just trying to live great moral lives for Jesus. We're not just trying to live Christian lives on self-effort and sin management. There must be something more <laughs> to this life that I'm living. And it's the dynamic presence of the king and his kingdom. That's the something more. You know, you kind of walk into adulthood with um, inherited theology or in, inherited ideas of God, right? And you kind of have to sort through those ideas of God and say, like, is, is that lining up with what um, Scripture teaches or is that just, you know, what I was raised with or what I kind of, you know, gleaned along the way or whatever, and I think, you know, I ended up with this um, kind of concept that, you know, the gospel was, was more sin-focused, right? It was more about being grateful for receiving forgiveness. But then I had to really strive to, to live a good Christian moral life. And that became quite a focus. And I remember um, feeling like, you know, I, when I came to say yes to Jesus in junior high, 
I was at um, summer camp, and I fell in love with Jesus because of, like, how I saw him displayed in nature, because I saw the life that, like, like exploded inside of me. I felt like this energy and this life and this love, and there was just, like, something that, like, that just came and rose up inside of me that says, Jesus is everything that I want. And so I made this exchange, you know, and said yes to Jesus. I want your life for my life. And, you know, then I start following Jesus. But I don't feel that same, like, sense of, of um, just exhilaration, right? As I'm starting to grow in Jesus, it's, it's more of this self-effort thing. And I think you know, I had some brokenness as a child, and my parents got divorced, and my mom passed away young um, of suicide, and I, and I thought, you know, I have this trauma in life, right? And I don't feel like I have, like, this mountain of sin that I'm carrying around that I feel like this great relief when I exchange it, right? I think, like, you know, I've, I've been following God most of my life, but what I really care about is the pain in my life, some of the sin that has been done to me. That's what's really difficult in life, is some of the, the things that I can't fix, right? And I think, well, I just have to kind of carry around this stuff till I get to heaven where it's like fully going to be restored. Like someday in heaven, it will fully be restored and I can have that wholeness that I really long for. But then I got introduced to the kingdom of God, and I thought, you know what? The, the gospel and salvation is about a full picture of well-being, right? It's not just a sin exchange. Yes, Jesus died for our sin, but he died so that you could have his complete well-being. And that changed my life. That changed my life when I realized, you know what? I can have peace. I can be healed of things that I thought I had to wait to be healed for. I can, I can have that now. Yeah, there's a fullness that will only happen in the future, but God's gospel is shalom. It is a full picture of peace and well-being and transformation, and justice, and wholeness now. We get to say yes to that now in this great exchange where heaven, the realities and blessings of heaven, reach down into our soul right now. And so that's what we are about at life, we're about the kingdom of God and extending that to our community and people around us. That the desires and the intentions and the mercies and the blessings of heaven can be our endless appetizer table right now. We get to feast on that right now. So would you just pray with me? <clears throat> God, we're, I don't even have words for um, what 
what you do for us and what you offer us. And it's so good. And sometimes it's too good that we don't even take advantage of it. You know, we, we shrink back, we sit in our self-sufficiency, and we forget. We forget the, 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 the appetizer table that is laid out in front of us, before us. And you say, come, eat, my children. And so, God, we just we want to um, just lay down uh, our self-sufficiency where we are in charge of our own little kingdom and trying to build up our own little kingdom, and we want to say yes to the things that you freely offer us. Yes to your kingdom. Yes to your goodness. Yes to your mercy, to your healing, to your love. God, may we be people that receive and are in a position of just saying yes to the things that you want to give us in this life as we wait (laughs) for the full blessings of your banquet in the future. So thank you. Thank you, Lord, just for this morning to sit and receive this message, and we just pray that your presence would be here as we worship and we engage with you this morning. We love you, Jesus. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.